0: Sarah Connors. Hello again. There's been two races since the last time we actually managed to get together back to back, and you went to one of them. I did. Got back from the US
1: Grand Prix about a week and a half ago. It was a good time. The weather was beautiful.
0: Thank God. As opposed to last year, where you could have built an arc and sailed it down pit lane, practically, and I think someone may have tried to. We tried to
1: go down turn one. That didn't work. But yeah, no, the weather was great. The The race itself was pretty decent. And yeah, it was good to get back there. It was my fourth time, which was pretty awesome.
0: I love the fact that you've been to four USGPs and I live five hours from Montreal and still haven't managed to get to a race. And I lived in Melbourne for four years as well. So, like, I've got no excuses anymore. Not that I really had any in the first place. No, not really. Not really. Look, I at least went to a car race this year, so that's something. But before I get into talking about the US Grand Prix and Mexico, as well as previewing Brazil, talking about Marrakesh, all the other stuff we've got to talk about today, we're going to start with women in motorsport. And today we're not actually talking about women in motorsport. We're talking about one team's concept that women don't like motorsport, and the awesomely sexist way they inadvertently portrayed this stereotype. So Renault
1: put out, I don't even know if you would call it a commercial the other day, Uh, it was a little Twitter video promotional thing, where they had men with their girlfriends or, or, you know, partners at a department store where the women were trying on clothes and the men were sitting around bored because, you know, women's love the shopping and men don't like the shopping and that's the world we live in. Um, Renault proceeded to do a promo thing where they invite the men to go take a ride in a Renault car,
0: a crappy Renault car, just around Around the inside of what looks like a shopping center. Right. Which was vaguely terrifying to watch. I kept expecting someone to accidentally take out a pillar or something. Seriously. But
1: I guess Julian Palmer was doing the driving. Uh now okay, where do we even
0: begin with this? Like so why let's, would let's, you not Let's spell out the gist of the ad. What happens is no no no, what happens is Palmer comes in and he prefaces it by saying or prefaces or explains that These guys can come for a ride with him in this car, but the amount of time that they get to ride is dependent on how long they can keep their girlfriend in a change room. So trying on clothing. So it basically we see these guys handing all these different clothes to their girlfriends and a timer. And then we see them in a car with a timer counting down based on how many minutes they kept their girlfriends trying clothes on. Which, I mean, like, God forbid... I just, oh, I don't even know. This is so annoying. So starting from the beginning, starting from the beginning, the first thing here that you and I obviously have a problem with is this blatant concept that guys like cars and women like clothes. And that's, they're mutually exclusive ideas. Guys don't like the shop and women don't like motorsports. That's the first stereotype that they put out here. Now... That
1: I mean, that is the gist of the whole ad, is that the women's like the clothes and the men's love the cars, and you can't like both. There's no way you can like both. Um, you know, what happened to all these initiatives trying to get women into into motorsport and trying to get women involved in things? And then you make an ad like this, where, you know, you just reinforce that old stereotype that women do not belong in motorsports, that this is not for you, this is not a, a place where you are, you know, welcome. Um, it's just... Oh, I I get so flustered and annoyed about it because, like, it's annoying. I love this sport. We all love this sport, and this sport keeps telling us that it does not want us here. It wants us to get back in the dressing room, try on the clothes, while the dudes can go do all the good stuff.
0: But all the amazing stuff that programs like Dare to Be Different and Susie Wolf has achieved over the last year, two years, three years, even the likes of of female drivers who've kind of fought for their space in the sport, female team principals like Manisha Kaltenborn, female mechanics, all those things. There's still teams, and 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 this is this is a few of them. You know, there's still teams. There's still people in F one that haven't got it in their head yet that. You may think that you support women, but saying that you support women as drivers and you may you may legitimately support women as drivers, but that you do- undermine that
1: support by acting like this. If you say one thing and act a different way, you're not actually supporting women. You're just giving, you know, a voice to these opinions and then completely negating them by doing stuff You're
0: creating these, or you're perpetuating these already negative stereotypes. And and further, you know, you're saying something with one, you know, you're saying something on one hand and shooting yourself on the foot on the other.
1: And, you know, there'll be people out there who say stuff like oh, this isn't that big of a deal. It's just one team. It's just one event. It's just one commercial. It's not just one commercial. This is constant. This is literally constant. I do think Great I want to be complaining Great about girls. this all the time. Great <laughs> girls. Right, seriously. Um, You know, the constant, constant objectification of women, the constant, like, putting women in the corner, putting them in their little, little side thing while the men get to do the motorsports. The way
0: that people laugh about Carmen Jordan when Carmen
1: Jordan comes up. The fact that people laugh at women who like motorsports, the fact that people act in disbelief that women would like motorsports. The fact
0: that Susie Wolf, who could uh, take a practice session and end up middle in the pack, is still spent her entire career defending her mere existence because she happened to be married to someone.
1: Right, exactly. You know, it's not just one thing. It's not just one incident. And honestly, it's exhausting. Like, I don't want to be talking about this. I want to be angry about all my... the time. No, I want to just have a good time. I just want to love this sport. And this sport just does
0: not love us back. Someone, it's frustrating. Someone said to me one day recently, and I think they were clearly trying to get a rise out of me, and they were like, well... You call yourself the grid girls. How can you hate grid girls if you call yourself the grid girls? And I'm like, that's why we call ourselves the grid girls. Because girls can be on the grid. You know, we can love this sport. We're about this sport. And we're trying to kind of reclaim that idea of what it can be to be a woman in this sport. You know, grid girls shouldn't stand for what they stand for. It shouldn't stand for this idea that you've got to be... Pretty and skinny and and all of these kind of negatively stereotypical kind of things, and that it's your job to stand there, and that's the only role you can play. You know, you know, men do things and women look pretty. Right, exactly. And I mean, that's that's the, that's the
1: concept behind this ad is that the the women are making themselves look pretty, and the men are going and doing, you know, the work, the fun stuff, the 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 point of this team. Everything surrounding the Renault aspect of this team is what the men are doing. The and, women are just being pushed to the and side. And you know
0: what? All you had to do as Renault to make this not a problem at all is have one couple where a guy, where the guy likes the shop and the girl is keeping him in that change room and suddenly it becomes different. It becomes a more balanced representation of people as people who like to shop and people who don't. You have... T- you know, you have a male cop, you have a man and a, and a, and a woman, and, and she's the roles are reversed, and suddenly this is a funny kind of video. It, it takes a, away so much of that kind of sexist implications that is so heavy in it. Or
1: even have the woman shop and then have her get to go on the ride instead of the guy. You know, you kept her in the dressing room for this long, and now this is how long you get to watch her go in the car for.
0: Oh, yeah! You know?
1: There would have been so many ways to do this that just are balanced and fun for everyone instead you know, of just being and, fun for
0: half June the population. And you know did a great version of this? Uh, Geo, the shoe brand that sponsored Red Bull. The oh, Red Bull I remember test. this. Yeah. And it was, there was just as many... And the great thing with that is... <laughs> They showed just as many guys losing their shit as girls. And I think the only person that got a hundred was this girl who was a stone-stone. still oh, I
1: remember that commercial. That was she awesome. was just like, she was just
0: like. <laughs> nothing was coming out of her lips. She was winning all 25 pairs of shoes.
1: <laughs> oh, that commercial was fantastic.
0: That was so good.
1: Um, on the upside of women in motorsport and this sort of stuff today. Um, there was a car show in Las Vegas happening this weekend, or this week rather, uh, and the formula, the USA Formula 4 championship had a car there, and um, as their like promotional tweet picture of someone sitting in the car, it was a woman, and their tweet was something like, oh, possible potential future Formula 4 driver. And that was cool, you know, no, it's just like you know what the like best that.
0: part of it was? It was the hashtag. The hashtag was hashtag girls belong here. And I was just like, I have all these feelings, and they're good right now. Yep, for this for this little championship
1: for Formula Four, you know, hopefully, hopefully it gets bigger. I know it's new within the last couple of years, so that's pretty awesome. I didn't that even know already... it existed.
0: I'll be honest. Oh yeah, no,
1: they they did a big promotional thing for it. I think during uh, Lone Star Le Mans last year, um, his friend of the podcast Elizabeth went to the launch, which is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah, that's uh. Well, that, that's, that's this week's thing. unfortunate, uh, that's a great, sorry, that's a positive end to this week's or this edition's Women in Motorsports. Um, Sarah, you went to the US Grand Prix. I did. Do you know what I I, did. I love about the US Grand Prix? And sometimes cliches are terrible. And a lot of times cliches are terrible. But sometimes cliches give us Dan Ricardo's America shoes, they give us Dan Ricardo's terrible Texas accent. Oh my
1: god, I heard it in person, it was the worst. And, the worst.
0: and they gave us Nico Hulkenberg dressed as a cowboy. And yes. I am here for that 365 so we, days of the year.
1: That's apparently like a famous boot shop on South Congress Street in Austin, and we went there the day after he went there, and it is damn impressive. Um, yeah, I, I think was impressed. At least we're and two I've seen, seen teams... a few cowboy
0: boot stores in my time. I'm from
1: country Australia. Say, um a few of the teams go to that store every year. Uh but yeah, it was it was good to see that that carries on. Um I I want to say something really quick about kind of the 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 atmosphere around the Grand Prix this year. It was very different than the previous years. Um Austin didn't really get up as much for it this year as it has in past years. Uh, I mean, 2 years ago we had the Red Bull show car going up and down uh, Congress Street. The Wednesday before the Grand Prix, we had giant fan fests that were attended by a whole lot of people, a lot of students, um, a lot of people that were in town for football games and whatnot. Even last year, uh, the fan fest, like the the, there was a driver forum downtown where they had two or three drivers come out and speak on a stage in front of the audience. They had none of that this year. There was no fan forum. There was no, you know, obviously Will Buxton is having a lot of, um, you know, personal stuff going on right now with his dad and everything, but, you know, no party from him on Thursday, no, no, like, extraneous stuff around the Grand Prix as there usually is, so that was a little bit disappointing, honestly. It felt like, you know, it usually feels like we're there for a bit of a vacation to see Austin and to to do stuff with, with the race series around Austin rather yeah, than just at the Formula track. Yeah,
0: it's a Formula 1 themed thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And like obviously a lot of the bars had Formula 1 themed stuff again this year, but there were no there was no like big party atmosphere to it. Um really all we experienced was 6th Street on like a normal Saturday, which it is what it is, but yeah, that was that was a little weird and I hope it goes back to being the big party that it is. The last few years. I feel like uh, maybe year. last
0: year could have made people a little bit gun-shy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I'm hoping that this year fixed that and that we can go back to that next year. That was a lot of fun. And it really wasn't that special outside the Grand Prix this year.
0: But. So the actual race was pretty... I mean, Lewis qualified on pole, I think. Yep. And ran away with it. Lewis qualified on pole and ran away with it. Nico came Huzzah! second. Nico yep. came second. Huzzah.
1: Nico is absolutely one hundred and twelve percent in damage control mode right now. Like he needs to just finish second at every race. If he wins this week he wins the championship yeah, but he's he, done exactly what he needed to do the last two yeah, races. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, obviously if he could win that would be best, but his approach has definitely been if you can't win, just make sure you get second. Just and maybe don't worry about going for the win, just don't crash cuz that's the thing. You you've, you've you're in a really difficult situation here because you get into a first cor- you get into a first lap tangle. Boom! You're done. That's it. And that's it. the
1: championship. That's, the, that's championship the
0: championship, because Lewis Hamilton will win this shit. And people, right, exactly. and, and, and people are like, oh well... Like It's been really interesting, and in kind of also annoying, because people are like, well, Lewis is clearly the better driver. I'm not saying Lewis isn't the better driver. But, better doesn't win championships. You know, the no, person not when, who finishes teammate... the end of the season with the most points.
1: Yeah, exactly. And at this point, you're right. I have seen a lot of people complaining about, oh, well, you know, not going for the win every time doesn't make, it makes you a bad champion. No, actually, the fact that he's calculating enough to get the things done that he needs to get the amount of points that he needs at the end of the season to win the championship makes him a good champion.
0: Lewis Hamilton may be the best driver on the grid at the moment, but Nico Rosberg is the smartest. Both, both on and off the track, because he is one ridiculously smart human being. Mm, yeah, he turned down a scholarship
1: to, you know, go somewhere for engineering. Uh, that,
0: those kind of people, I kind of want to just, like, punch them. Because it's like, you're a... Tr- like, you are extremely talented you're an f1 driver you're very smart you're good at school and you look really good in a suit like what (laughs) can't you do like you need to tell me something that you can't do you're actually i think he could probably cook too i think he can cook and other things so i'm just kind of like
1: yes he can uh, because
0: you know what He speaks five
1: languages too i speak (laughs) five languages and i invented a pizza recipe that is really good you know how inept i am in comparison I tried to make his pizza recipe a couple years ago cuz it looked really good and I followed all the directions to a T except the fact that his oven was in Celsius and my <laughs> oven was in Fahrenheit. So Terrible. I put my oven I, I put like my oven your... to like 180 degrees Fahrenheit and I was like why isn't my pizza cooking? Because 180 degrees Celsius is like 500 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: I, I, I feel like <laughs> I should bring up just, just for amusement sakes here. I actually texted you this uh oh, yeah. I believe on Sunday. <laughs> so um I feel I need to add something to this podcast. I often give you shit for your use of the the of for your use of miles. And miles being a stupid form of measurement that no one uses and that makes no sense. And I am adamant about that. And no matter what I say following the sentence, I'm still adamant about that. However, it was 1am on Sunday morning and I was sitting in my shower scrubbing Halloween makeup off myself and I looked down at my arm and I realized I have this tattoo. Now, Not that I just suddenly realized, like, I'm aware I have this tattoo. I was there when it happened. But I have this tattoo that reads, and it's from a Robert Frost poem, which if you're from Massachusetts, is Massachusetts proud. Um, and my tattoo reads, Miles to Go.
1: You literally have Miles tattooed on your arm. <laughs> I was you there at
0: 1 a.m. <laughs> in the morning and I looked down at my arm and I just, like, one of my, like, I was staying at one of my girlfriend's houses and she literally, like, knocked on the, the bathroom door and she's like, are you okay? Because all she can hear is the shower and my hysterical laughter. Yeah. But as we were saying, Lewis ran away. Uh, Lewis is great. Nico is smart. Lewis ran away. But the midfield battles were where it was at in the US. Specifically, Fernando Alonso's midfield battles. <laughs> F- uh, Fernando Alonso was lit. That was the <laughs> best race Fernando Alonso has had in a McLaren since the last time he was in a McLaren. Seriously.
1: Uh, it was really fun to watch him in massive Battle at the end there. That was great.
0: Um, he came fit! Really- <laughs> he somehow yeah. got a McLaren to
1: Fernando Alonso and the P five position OTP, um, <laughs> OTP he until he came the- to McLaren. Well, yeah, that's true. More, it was more his Ferrari OTP. But yeah, um, it's been a while. It's been a while that, that since that happened. Uh, there was um, some pit stop nonsense too. Then I'm trying um, to remember exactly. You no, know, Max Verstappen it was,
0: completely ignoring. Like Max Verstappen just turned up for a pit stop, and they were like, um, "Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right." What's if happening here? Um, he turned up for a pit stop. Kimi Räikkönen pitted, and they like left a gun on his tire, so he had to like reverse down the pit lane.
0: Which but the funny thing was, on the TV broadcast, I don't think you can actually see the gun. Like, they think there's a gun, and they're like, I think there's a gun attached, but because of the angles of it, you couldn't see it. So it's just this Ferrari rolling, like he's just like, taking it out of gear and it just starts rolling backwards down pit lane, and I was like, I'll tell I you really right wanted him to get it restarted and go again, and be like, well, it's- I didn't reverse.
1: It's a good thing that, oh yeah, he didn't reverse because the pit lane is literally on an incline that looks like this. Yeah. So all he had to do was turn off the engine and roll back down the pit lane. So that was good for him. Um. There was an incident that threw off Dan Ricardo's pit stops. He was really mad. He got really angry at Nico Rosberg for something. Or no, he said he was going to well, catch no, was that Lewis motherfucker. Hamilton. Lewis
0: Hamilton got a free pit stop because he pitted under the safety car. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I love us was trying it? to rehash oh, it was because what of Max? because we're like, That's eh, what it was. two weeks ago. <laughs> you know what, dude?
1: That's what it was. Max Verstappen, driver of the day Max Verstappen, uh, crashed his car, and both Mercedes were able to pit under the safety yeah, car. Yeah, the Verstappen's engine or gearbox Ricciardo or something didn't.
0: failed. Yeah,
1: and Ricardo had already pitted at that point. So, yeah, the Mercedes guys got a free pit stop. Uh, he did not. He couldn't catch them, and the, that was it. That the was funny
0: that. part at the end is the the announcers are like asking Max if he like parked it on that spot purposely so it would have to be a yellow, thinking that like it would something for Dan. And Max is basically like, no, like you know that that wasn't a radio conversation, and he's clearly also like, no one thinks like that. Like it was quite funny.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was <laughs> I guess if he wasn't going to finish any race I'm glad it was the one that I was Okay, at so here's really the thing.
0: Like here's the thing. Isn't this the race where Max Verstappen said I'm not here to finish fourth and then didn't finish the yes, race? Yes. That's what, Max, what it was. Hopeful. And and, because... and even more joyful than Max Verstappen not being there to finish fourth in um not being there to finish fourth in Austin was Max Verstappen finishing fourth twice <laughs> twice did yeah
1: he thought he was what? third but then he was fourth and then and he maybe was fourth. He wasn't fourth again
0: and then he thought he wasn't going to be fourth and then he was fourth again yes <laughs> yes
1: mexico was something um but yeah the USGP was uh was good it was it was interesting i think it was more interesting being there than on tv which is usually the opposite because you usually can't see that much but our spot at the top of turn 1 was excellent as usual. Uh Dan Ricardo got Gerard Butler to do a shooey, which was really
0: gross. Uh, and- Gerard Butler called uh, Nico Rosberg, I bl- Rosberg, I believe, hecky. Oh, which you- is what? both on the inter- on the on the post on the podium interviews. I believe uh Gerard Butler called Nico Rosberg hecky.
1: Oh, that's weird.
0: Um, which I was like is both not his name nor his father's name. I mean, it's close, kinda, if you squint. I was that's just little, like, ah, oh, this is this is not working. Yeah,
1: but anyway. Okay,
0: we got J. We got JPM doing the podium interview. We did. Oh my god,
1: let's move <laughs> Look, on to Mexico because Mexico X racers should be required to do all podiums ever. Yeah, because honestly, like Weber's not bad at it. Montoya was great. Um, they know that- what they're talking about. I know that dude from Germany that does them sometimes is Ugh. so awful. Uh, Why yeah, do they yeah. bring
0: him back? Hell, Kai Abel yeah. or whatever Kai, his name yeah, is. That guy, Kai. Yeah, um, I don't, the thing... I don't understand. The last thing you wanted to touch on before we get on to the Mexican Grand Prix is you have some very strong feelings that I believe Uh, you want to talk about, about Formula One, its acceptance of fans, and what I'm assuming was a tire fire of an autograph session you went. It was a tire fire. You know, all of these guys
1: are always talking about, oh, the fans, the fans are so great, blah, 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 blah. And they see these things and then they treat the fans like absolute garbage. They treat them like cattle. Honestly, so the autograph sessions in Austin have usually been, you know, pretty decent. You can't, it's nothing like IndyCar where you can get the full field without much effort. You usually have to aim for maybe getting one or two guys and that's it. But you used to be able to specifically go, so what you would have to do is get to the gate really, really early, run to this table about a quarter mile from. The gate entrance. Which is
0: great for people like you, who can oh, run. Dude. And I'd just be like, I'll fucking give
1: it up. <laughs> I wasn't doing the run, and I I made Elizabeth do it. Like, it was fine. Um, But usually everyone hops in the Ferrari and Mercedes lines, so if you go and get, like, a Toro Rosso wristband, you could usually get back in line and get, like, a Saber or, like, the little teams. And for the last couple of years, we had mostly just wanted to get, like, I think we Aida. went for Toro Rosso, Manor. we went for Manor, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nothing... Nothing too extravagant. I think one year we went for McLaren, maybe. Um, Anyway, the point is you could run and get the wristband for the team of your choice and then maybe get back in line and get another one. And then at a designated time... Say qualifying is from like ten to eleven, you would hop in line to get your team's autographs at like eleven fifteen to eleven thirty, or like twelve thirty to twelve forty five. whatever. Yeah. and that means so you, they were
0: able to keep track of the numbers of people in line so that everyone in yes. line was accommodated and so forth, right? Yes, exactly. And like they would give out a they would
1: give out like fifty wristbands per team, and if you were number forty five in line and they had to leave, you know, tough shit. That's fine, but you like if you you still. You know, whatever. It worked out fine. It was nice. You could get there, like, five minutes early, and you'd get your autograph and leave. Um, The way they did it this year... Oh, the other nice thing about that version of the autograph sessions was that you ran and got your wristbands at the start of the day, and then you didn't have to miss any actual sessions.
0: So, I remember just seeing the autograph line on Thursday in Canada. Yep. And it was... The
1: way they do that is... Oh, yeah, yeah, I actually did that a few times. Uh, that The way they do that one is okay. Um, at least it's organized and kids can do it and, like, anyone can get in that line. If you're in a wheelchair, you wouldn't have a problem or anything. Um, same, actually, same for the old version of Austin, because if, you know, if you were a kid or if you were, you know, not able to run, you could still, if you had lined up early enough, get to that table and get a wristband. Like, it was still fine. The way they did it here this year, first of all, you couldn't see qualifying if you wanted to get any of the bigger teams because the session was like an hour after qualifying and people started lining up like three hours early. Uh, And by lining up, I mean they had set up a like three sides of a box where the fourth side was the stage and there was a little like walkway between the stage and then this box that they could go out and like walk around. So they were kind of in a pen and everybody was like pressing up against the fence to reach out and hand some stuff
0: to sign. So the idea of it was basically, we've all seen a Formula One media pen.
1: Yeah, like a Formula One media pen, except there are like 500 people trying to get something from a driver.
0: Yeah, so there's no Um, order, there's no lines, there's no wait your turns. Okay. Uh, That sounds like a hot mess. It was a hot mess, and basically it caters to,
1: again, it caters to dudes. It caters to big dudes who can push their way to the front of these lines, of these, of these... Not even a line, it was like a fucking cattle pen, honestly. Uh, little kids had no chance unless someone picked them up and, like, leaned them over, like, five people. Um, you know, it was it was atrocious. It was, you know, it was awful. It was, it was literally the worst. Um, I tried to do it the Saturday... D- didn't even try on Sunday. Um, and yeah, we, we had people that just were not doing well, and it, it was it was horrible. Like, I, I don't understand why they switched it to that, doing it that way. Um, I mean, I guess it's easier for the drivers because they can just walk through the thing once and then leave. But the other nice thing in Austin was that in previous years, before they would have the people with wristbands come up to get their autographs, they would have the drivers up on stage, like, ask them a few questions, maybe make them rope a fiberglass cow, like, do some silly things. Uh, stuff to you appeal You see the fans. some
0: personality and some... Yeah, exactly. And the,
1: the nice thing is that they have this stage set up there, so they would do it on the stage, and people could stand in front of the stage and kind of watch this happen and watch the guys sign autographs, and they'd wave to the crowd, and a few of them would jump down and sign stuff for the people in the front. But it was just very much more fan-friendly the previous thi- way. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. I, I maybe please look
0: hopefully Austin is a and, and 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 uh Kodo and all of that are the kind of people that look at this and go, This was a hot mess. Let's 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 look, go back to the other way. Let's go back to what we used to do. Let's think about this in a more equitable fan oriented
1: way. Because maybe their way.
0: mentality was, Well, we can get twice as many people signed autographs, but they haven't thought about the axle. Execution of that And what that kind of atmosphere creates And it's sad that they, they took out that kind of Part there where you got to see them Because not everyone wants autographs I'm no. not an autograph person I'd much rather stand there and watch them on stage Than ever get in a line for an autograph Same, honestly, the last few years
1: That I've done it, I've just gone and stand stood In front of the stage, because you get really good pictures Of the guys, like, they put on the little cowboy hats They do some silly stuff on stage And the photos that would come out of it Were always really, really great Um, and there was no opportunity to get any sort of photos of the people driving the cars this last weekend. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I For as much as they, they claim to, you know, I guess they don't really claim to want new fans because they're F1. But they should. They should, damn it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, look, we've talked many, many times about F1 and how they don't necessarily get it. No, no. Anyway. Let's talk about Mexico, Mexico. because Mexico was awesome, for the most part. I mean, we're gonna. We're going to skip over some significant uh, instances of egregious cultural appropriation throughout the event, simply because we probably don't have the time. I don't have time. I don't necessarily have the. It's not something I can speak to, so I won't speak to it. I can speak to The only thing. I, can the only thing about I'm going speak to in and then I'm going Because I'm a woman.
1: Right. Uh, the Day of the Dead stuff. Day of the Dead isn't Halloween. Day of the Dead is a religious holiday that, I don't know, I got a little itchy about it. But whatever, it's fine. Uh, it's not fine. We're not going to talk no. about it, though.
0: The baseball no. stadium still looks awesome. Oh, the baseball stadium. Um, looked, uh, Maria and I've been talking about that. We're like, can we just go to Mexico to sit in? One thing Amy did point out, I believe Amy, a uh, friend of the podcast, Amy sat in the bo- baseball stadium last year, and she's like, it's really good as long as you can handle people smoking for the entire day. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I was, and um, I was like,
0: oh, I don't know how. Like, I can't even stand next to someone smoking. <laughs> right, right. That,
1: yeah, that's not really a problem I've run into anywhere else. Actually, in no, well, no, Canada, but- I guess.
0: Mexico would just, be like, uh, clearly the uh, tobacco laws are a little different. <laughs> a little more lax, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, But yeah, the race looked great. I watched qualifying from Detroit at a bar. It was a good time. I, I actually taught someone about F1 while I was just sitting there. Good work. You recruited
0: another person to the community. Yep, uh, and then the actual race, the start of it was pretty damn exciting. Oh my god, okay, no, uh, no, no. let's talk about qualifying, let's talk about one part of qualifying. Qualifying was qualifying, and I was like, oh, great, oh god, no, Nico, oh no, Nico, oh my god, he got second, yes! <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was watching it, because we were like, shit, 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 oh my god, second! And we were like, wow, I never thought we'd be so excited about someone qualifying in second place! Seriously.
1: I honestly think that he was so far down in Q2 because he was trying to get those soft tires instead of the super softs to start the race on. Because, uh, you know, you need to start the race on your Q2 tires. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, but
0: doesn't make it any less stressful. No. Sure, like, sure. what are you doing? But that last second slip into second, that last second slip into second, I think, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think upstairs must have thought I was being murdered with the way I shrieked.
1: <laughs> Lord. Yeah, so luckily, again, more damage control. He come, he he, you know, pulls off second in qualifying. Uh, gets a fairly clean start relative to his teammate in the race, who Lewis cut the whole first corner, went right across the grass. Have Nico you seen sort the main going around? No, of how
0: Lewis it, it it's how everyone sees the first corner and it's like the the like elbow with Lewis's car entering, and it's like how Lewis Hamilton sees the corner and someone's photoshopped the elbow into a straight line with Lewis <laughs> going down it, and I was like, very good, very clever. Yep, I approve. Yeah, somehow
1: he didn't have to like fix anything with that, which is a little weird considering all the controversy later in the race. Whatever. Uh, Nico cuts part of the corner. Um, a few other drivers have a little bit of issues. It's fine. The first couple laps are exciting. And then we settle into the Lewis drives into the sunset. Nico follows him into the sunset. And then there's nonsense behind, behind
0: them, behind them.
1: And then a lot of laps happened.
0: Yeah, I left at about the 50, 53 lap mark because I had to go in. I was covering MLS on the weekend. So I left and I was like, oh. And then my friend who was still watching the race was like, oh, my God, everything. And it's really quite funny to have someone else provide like text commentary of the race because it's basically just lots of, oh, my God, and fuck Max. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God, what did Seb just say? Oh, my God, fuck Max. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be interesting. Okay. have to watch that when I get home.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had three drivers finish in third. Uh, one of them actually crossed the line in third. One of them got to go on the podium and take the trophy for third. And one of them actually finished with the points.
0: But look, Which is that, interesting. That moment where Max Verstappen is standing in the cool-down room, or the, the winner's room there, watching that thing, and you see him realize he got a five-second penalty and he's no longer in third. And you see, like, Nico and Lewis in the background being like... like Oh girl, <laughs> like and oh this god. is the friendliest you've ever seen them. I know. Like, and Nico it's comes like, in, and it's like Lewis—he's gonna get a five-second penalty. And oh my god, he cut the corner. And Lewis is like, "I got away with that at the start of the race." So, <laughs> um, it's so
1: nice to see the Mercedes guys like laughing about things together when they're not involved in the drama. Like, I want more of this next year. I like, almost this is, feel this is like goals.
0: I almost see. Here's the thing. I feel like the rest of the season is going to be... I don't think we're going to get more Lewis and Nico drama unless Lewis or Nico take each other out. Right. Like, other than that, and, like, uh, we'll, we'll get the Red Bulls in Turkey. or what, what was the race last year? Was it last year where the Red Bulls both took each other out? Or was it earlier this year? There's been not the Red Bulls. There's been a race this year where the Mercedes took each other out. Oh yeah, um, I believe it was in Spain. I think it was. It was yeah. I think somewhere, it was Spain. somewhere in Spain. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that was quite funny. And then like, and then the, uh, the end of the race where like. I think I texted you about this. It looked like we were about to get West Side Story, but with like the Ferrari and Red Bull guys. The Ferrari and the Red Bull guys. Like the Ferrari entourage are just closing ranks around Seb, and then the Red Bull are in front. And all I could think of was just, you know, like if you're a a jet, if you're a jet, you're a jet for life. (laughs) Uh, And I just think of them be like, Seb, you will always be a Red Bull. And Seb just being like, Yo, I wear red. And then like. Richard's I now, trying to I now hustle want him. A... is trying to, like, hustle him. And then they're like, Shep, you're just gonna have to run. The podium's there. Start running. Start running now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Now I want a West Side Story, like, remake about the Mexican Grand Prix. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. Like, think about it. That'd be amazing. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to... I've just got the image of, like... Like, the, the driver's grid forming, like, two sides or the team and doing, like, the, the sachet walk with oh, the Oh, yeah, the, like, the little dance party and, and, uh... <laughs> I've just gone off on, like, a West Side Story tangent in my head. Back to what we it's were fine. talking anyway. about. Three yeah. drivers finish in third. <laughs> uh, Dan Ricardo's hotel give him a shoe made out of chocolate.
1: Yep. Which was... Gold. He also later at night went up on the podium and did his own little podium ceremony, which is a little, a little tacky, but whatever.
0: You do you, do. Uh, look, I think I would probably find it tacky of anyone but Dan Ricardo, because I can literally imagine Dan Ricardo being like, oh my god, it's the podium, let's go! Like, you know when you, you, you get drunk and you just decide that everything is the best idea you've ever had? I feel oh, yeah. like that's the level that Dan Ricardo operates on for like every moment he's not driving a car. <laughs> did you see his glorious Instagram this week of, uh, da- of editions of Daniel Ricardo, the guy from a town on a beach, doesn't know how to wear a wetsuit?
1: No, I did not.
0: Dan Ricardo put I'm the wetsuit on back to front. Nice. And wetsuits right? have a zip that goes all the way from your butt all the way to the top of your neck, and it doesn't look very good put on the other way.
1: Just gonna say, didn't he say he's never surfed before, though? He has never surfed before.
0: Right. Which I That's find disappointing for a kid from Perth. Like. I mean,
1: I don't know. I I, I
0: surfed, and I grew up in the country. I mean, I just assumed that
1: people in Australia came out of the womb with like a wallaby under one arm and a surfboard under the other. Oh, am I wrong? Speaking of
0: speaking of Australian animals, no, not quite. It, it's like <laughs> is it's a kangaroo what, not a wallaby? He, no, wallaby is a small kangaroo, <laughs> but they well, oh. technically then yeah. Anyway, um, what was I going to ask you? Maybe it's a dingo. do you know what a wombat is? Yes. Good, okay. I was trying to explain it's a little to fat th- thing, it's cute. I was trying to explain to someone today what a wombat was, but they... Uh, I have. They're no in reference.
1: Rescuers Down Under. If the person has seen Rescuers Down Under, they have seen a wombat. What is Rescuers Down Under? It's a Disney movie. Oh my god, Sasky, go home, you're home. Go download Rescuers okay. Down Under. Okay, just gonna put out there.
0: they probably didn't send Rescuers Down Under to Australia as a Disney movie, because... It also came out before you were born. So there you go. Oh, okay, so let's just take that judgment and just step back for a bit.
1: You know okay. what? The, the point stands you gotta watch this movie.
0: I think you will love okay. it.
1: Okay, so. They portray all the L- Australian critters very, very positively, Lewis including this Cus- little mouse dude. Continue.
0: I was going to say, Lewis cut the straight, Max cut the straight, uh, Max gets penalised, Lewis gets away from it, uh, Seb pulls a move on Daniel Ricardo, gets penalised, and of everyone, Daniel Ricardo was the most articulate about explaining his frustrations with all three of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, no, depends which That'll... interview you saw. Depends which interview. If you saw the NBC interview, he was very articulate. Apparently, he, he was like... Uh I'm less angry now because I got it all out to Lee McKenzie and he turned around in the middle of the interview and is like, sorry Lee, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I was like, But but someone who was not happy and which has been which has given which has given Formula One media life this week so they have something else to complain about. This literally pains me. Is Sebastian Vettel and how F1 is a family sport, which firstly Bullshit.
1: (laughs) Seriously. Seriously, there was a post that was going around Reddit that was like, oh, Sebastian Vettel is making this not a family-friendly sport, not Max Mosley's Nazi orgy from a couple years ago, or like, (laughs) like, and I forgot about that. I was like, oh my Uh, god, you're right. Or Bernie Ecclestone's, like, many terrible,
0: you know, life choices. Or the things he said about women or his assistants Or the things girls. he said
1: about, about wanting there to be more danger in the motorsport, more drama and, around accidents.
0: And, and and it's not even... The thing that gets me, and I'm sure this gets you, is, you know what? Yes, Sebastian Vettel shouldn't have said what he said because you don't say that shit about their race director. It's like saying that about a referee in a game. You're not going to do it without getting in trouble, right? But... I mean, except in hockey. Well, yeah, yeah, well. People tell each other to
1: fuck off in hockey all the time.
0: Yeah, even then, you know, sometimes you don't. Maybe don't. thing I I don't get is why, if this is a family-friendly sport, like, I'm of the personal opinion that the most powerful person when it comes to a player image is not their PR person. It is the person that picks which radio broadcasts get sent because those radio broadcasts, so heavily paint the picture that we view of these drivers in the heat of competition. And, look, part of the reason we dislike Max Verstappen is because so far this year, he sounded like an absolute twat on these radio broadcasts. And even he has said that. Even he has said, I need to be more mature with what I say over the radio because I know how it paints me. And it's not even that he says these things, it's that they chose to play them. And they chose to broadcast Max Verstappen telling... Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Whiting
1: just basically fuck off. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And I, Someone tried to make the argument to me that, you know, they have to tell a story and those things were part of the story. But there's, you can either do one or the other. You can tell a story or you can make the sport family friendly. You can't have both. You oh, can't you can... have both, especially when you're making the conscious decision to broadcast things with swears in them. Well, which really yeah. shouldn't be that big of a deal. You can tell
0: Charlie to cut. You know that he's annoyed, that you know that he said something to Charlie. You move the expletives out of the situation. I mean, I don't know. To be honest, though, uh, it almost made me like Sebastian Vettel more. Me too, and I hate myself for it. I know. There's part of me <laughs> in my head that was like, when I started being an F1 fan, I disliked Sebastian Vettel so much because I was all team, you know who. I was all, I, I was all, he stole his championship and yada 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 and whatever. And I think the funny thing is, I think I like Sebastian Vettel more nowadays. I think Mark Webber actually likes Sebastian Vettel more nowadays because of this shit. And to be honest, I find him wonderful because I think he is the least German German going around. Like you just have to look at the Germans. Hulkenberg is pretty German, you know. He's peak like, German. Oh, he's yeah. got a, he's got a bit of a bit of a sense of humor, but he's still like peak German. Nico Rosberg, peak German. Uh, Verlein. for as much German. as people try to
1: paint Rosberg as not being very German, like, he's he German. pretty fucking German. Yeah. Like, oh my god, he has no sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Pascal Verlein, super German! I have a really funny story about him really quick. Um, so apparently, I have a friend, my friend Simon, went to the Mercedes party after the US Grand Prix, where they were, like, singing with the pianos. Apparently verline got hella drunk and was like hanging out with the fans doing jello shots all night uh he sang a notorious big song like what i'm also like of course who are notorious. where did you come from i love you like you're my favorite this is delightful yeah so apparently he was the life of the party um which makes me like him a lot more and they, that's what they said they were like you know Based only on that party, like, I'm gonna cheer for him now, and I wish F1 would, like, take note of things like this. Like, events where the drivers are personable, and they relate to the fans, and they hang out, and they're just ridiculous,
0: makes people like them. That's the thing I've been trying to also say to a lot of people, and you and I say this often, there's no right way to be a fan and there's no right, way or wrong way, and there's no wrong way to be a fan, and there's no wrong way to fall in love with a sport or an athlete. You and I have fallen in love with athletes for some of the stupidest fucking (laughs) reasons on existence. My favourite player for so long was Matt Stajan because someone told me I should be a fan of him. Patrice Bergeron and Andrew Raycroft, they did that ridiculous ad with the Zamboni driving over the bridge, and they were like, he has to drive because I don't have my... Or do you even have your licence yet? Like... Oh yeah. my God! There are athletes that I fell in love with entirely because I like looking at them because they're pretty. That's fine. Like you know that's what? Great. On the, on the flip side, on the flip side, it's kind
1: of the responsibility of the sport to get those guys in front of our eyeballs so that we can completely. find these ridiculous reasons to like them. You know, IndyCar is very good at it.
0: IndyCar Speaking is of, excellent at it. Like what? Like coming out of Austin, watching Nico Hulkenberg try and lasso a goddamn green cow. Hilarious! It was beautiful.
1: Useless. Beautiful. Um, we gotta move on. We got we got stuff to talk about. We um, do. Brazil's Let's next. talk about Brazil. Very quickly, if Nico wins, he wins the championship. It's Felipe Massa's
0: last home race, which is oh, really sad. Me so sad. Um, I want Felipe gonna- Massa just to come out in a Mercedes with martini stripes with just the fucking Brazilian flag painted on oh it. Oh my god, please. Just be like, whatever Brazilian flag. I also Um, feel like if I was Felipe Massa, I'd be like, sorry, I'm busy for Abu Dhabi.
1: Oh, my God, seriously. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I really want him to do the thing at Brazil where when he crosses the line, someone gives him a flag and he drives around the last, like, cool down line with his Brazilian flag.
0: Yeah, I wish he could do what Weber did at the end of his last race, but it's not actually his last race because he, like, took his helmet off and drove around and was like, what are you going to do, find me? What are you going to do, dock (laughs) me points? Like... I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of wish the
1: season ended in Brazil only for him this year yeah. because, yeah. like you, like you put in our little document. I really do like the fireworks in Abu Dhabi and the the, the visuals of Abu Dhabi are the,
0: really the crossing nice. the line and the fireworks. Oh, I love that so much. The sun going down. Oh, it's um, funny because. With- not, actually, no, I was going to say it was last year. No, the previous year, I spent, like, 12 hours in the Abu Dhabi airport over Grand Prix oh, yeah. weekend and was like, someone from Mana has arrived, but nothing else has. Oh, yeah,
1: when their cars tried to get there, but they couldn't. That was the saddest thing ever. God, that poor team. And now they've become a garbage dump. Except for Verline. He's fine. He can stay. Uh,
0: right, look, my favourite Mana thing this year was that moment where, uh... I think Jensen Button gets overtaken by Verline in a manner. He's like, I just got overtaken by a manner and just starts laughing. <laughs> I mean, at least Jensen Button
1: can laugh about this stuff. Uh, Jensen Button, his, his is speaking going. of
0: other people, we're probably like, I really think Jensen Button has been quite clever in this because he's not retiring, but we're never going to see him race an F1 car again. He's just avoiding anyone doing retirement bullshit
1: for him. I know it's it's kind of cute, but it's also kind of sad. Like I wish he could have had a send off. I send-off. want to
0: I want to memorialize the ridiculously funny things he has said over the last however many years. All his bad haircuts and terrible like oh that do you, have you ever seen that race where he commentated? No. He uh so when he was driving for whatever team Lucky Strike were. I In don't know Benetton, if they were Lucky I think it was Strike, Benetton. Something like that. Something happened, and they got suspended for a race. They weren't allowed to race. So he joined Sky or BBC and commentated the race with them. Oh, well, that's awesome! It's glorious, and it was really Monaco. Cool. I think it was the Monaco Grand Prix. It was glorious. It's wonderful. So funny. I have to go back and find that.
1: Um, but yeah, it's it's sad that we're not. He's just kind of kind of end his career with a bit of a. I'm not actually retiring, but actually I am. Whatever. It's fine. Um, you know what's going to be fun is the fact that Brazil qualifying overlaps with the Formula E race. They're literally the same hour. The same one hour of time is going to be the Marrakesh Grand Prix or E-Prix and Brazil qualifying. So we've started calling it brazil Cash. It's going to be a fucking shit show. We're all going to be trying to watch two things at once. No one's going to know what Nico or what Sebastian or which Renault we're all talking about. Um, I thought like, with Sebastian? It's going to be fine. Could fun. be this one. Could be this one. Yeah. Nico, which Nico? Nico Nico Nico, Nico Prost. Crashed. Prost. <laughs> or Hulkenberg. We're not sure. No one's really sure. It's okay. It'll be all right. Um, so that should be exciting. Uh, I'm excited for that race. Um, the Marikeshi Prix is happening during... Um, a huge energy summit in Morocco, which is pretty awesome. Uh, that's Ab- cool. Barack and Obama clever. is going to be at this race. And very clever. Yep, yep. Some major world leaders will be at the race, which is pretty great. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it for previewing. There's a lot of F1. News you need to update.
0: Then. Is there who who are we? Who should we be voting for in the fan boost?
1: Um, Felix Rosenquist.
0: I'm not even going to add, like, who I was voting for, because I know you hate him, and I would rather you not stop talking to me in the middle of our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, no, how about you don't? Um,
1: (laughs) Rosenquist is great, because he's Swedish, and also Indie Lights, and also, I don't know, he's just really funny. That whole thing with the the Formula 3 race uh, drama, when the three of them were testing, they were all giving each other the finger, and then they all got on social media and were, like, laughing at each other. Did you see this? It was Rosenquist, uh, I think it was Danny Junkadella, and it was... God, I
0: forget who the other one was. I love that guy's name.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, there was one other person involved in this too, and I'm pretty sure it was someone else from Formula E. Uh, but they were all just, like, making rude hand gestures to each other in the car and, and, and then yelling at each other on Twitter after, and it was all, like, in good fun, but... You know, the banter, the bants, peak top bants from the lads, etc. Actually,
0: speaking of peak top bants, we need to talk about, did you see Will Stevens' Instagram like this week? He had, like, it was him without a hat and his hair was being weird and I was like, for a second I thought he, like, he had a wig and makeup on. He looked so different. I have seen his Instagram. And I was going going to send it to you and be like, what's happening? Who is this? Who
1: is this man? I don't this know. I don't know
0: what's going on.
1: He's also gotten very good at taking photos from an angle that make him look a lot taller.
0: Uh, hey, it's that weird, is a legit guess. skill set you should be able to put on your resume.
1: <laughs> right? And I, I say really that as someone who set. thinks Will That's Stevens
0: fine. is tall, because he's like six inches taller than me.
1: No, he's not. How tall no, is Will Stevens? He's not. Will Stevens is shorter than Elizabeth. And she is maybe three inches taller than you. Will Stevens' height... He's a very smart. I'm small now. Man. I'm invested Listen, in this You know. Now. You know that's gonna lie. You know that's not gonna be true. It tells like me he's a players.
0: meter seventy one. What does that mean, Sarah? <laughs> Anyways, it doesn't uh, matter. It tells me he is five
1: foot seven. That's not true. That is a lie. That is like the maybe if he's got like or giant like lifts in his five shoes. Five foot six and a half. It no. says. No. 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 No way. I took a picture next to him and he barely came up to my shoulder
0: i have taken pictures not. next to you and you may as well have used me as a shoulder rest because I, mean, I look like him. a little... Anyway, so anyway. Brazil, fireworks, Abu Dhabi, Marrakesh. Let's talk about F1 news. Nico Hülkenberg is going to Renault.
1: Yep. Um, we don't know who else is going to drive it, Renault. Uh, is it going to be Palmer? Is it Palmer... going to be
0: Magnussen? Is it going to be someone else?
1: Who freaking knows?
0: Uh, now, there were rumors... the other rumour... Wait, let's talk about
1: Lance Stroll first because he's. Lance Stroll Canadian. and his
0: magnificent eyebrows. He's Canadian. He's from Montreal. It's beautiful. From Montreal. His father um, owns Blanc, the Circuit.
1: Yep, which is pretty cool. And like some clothing, like Tommy Hilfiger or something like that. Yeah, I, I think his matter. dad is
0: responsible for bringing Tommy Hilfiger. Usually, he actually bought Tommy Hilfiger mm-hmm. as a sponsor to Lotus in the early 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I mean, he's everyone's all up in arms because he's a pay driver, but, like, also, dudes, he won the Formula 3 championship. Yeah. So
0: let's not. He's probably the most talented pay driver we've had going around in a fair while. Yeah. Like, well, Felipe Naza did really, really well in GP2. So, yep. theoretically, he's also pretty decent. But, like, Lance Stroll is not. We're not talking about Pastor Maldonado here.
1: We're no, talking, we're not talking more about Marcus Verstappen.
0: We're talking more Max Verstappen than Maldonado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more so like driving Max is. Verstappen, not like human being Max Verstappen.
1: Yes. Ugh,
0: God. Um, plus he's
1: Canadian, which means he'll be nice. He'll be a nice addition to the grid. Very, very <laughs> polite, very... He'll, he'll say Probably sorry he'll he... will apologize over the
0: radio a lot. Well, every time he accidentally runs into someone or someone runs into him, he'll say sorry. I'm also
1: really, really hoping that we will get a uh, worldwide introduction to the art of Quebecois swear words... Over the radio? Like forget whatever Vettel's doing. Like, stroll, please get all sweary and Quebec while on the radio. No one will know what you're saying. It'll be fine. Um But yeah. I'm
0: I'm here all, for it. All I'm the Quebecwe swear words are religious
1: based. So they that are makes them even funnier. Tabernacle etc. Should be fun. Um yeah, so
0: Lad Stroll is in at Williams too. Absolutely I love how Williams are like, Are you surprised? No, no, they were not. they had to wait <laughs>
1: until yesterday because he didn't turn 18 until yeah. this past weekend. They wanted to do it, like, a couple days out from the Grand Prix, but son- because of the Martini sponsorship, they literally could not sign him until he was 18. Or they yeah. couldn't announce him until he was 18.
0: Which is interesting, oh. and, and well, they probably also couldn't... Uh, yeah, no, no, they could. But, uh, yeah. so... Polkenberg to Renault, Stroll to Williams, we don't know whether we got Palmer or Magnuson yet. There is a rumour that Magnuson has been offered a two-year deal at Haas if Esteban Gutierrez is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit of a chips falling where they may. Uh, Renault actually had an option on, I believe, both Palmer and Magnussen, um, and they... Uh, haven't taken those options, so whilst they still can re-sign them, they haven't exercised an option that prevents them going elsewhere, so uh, Magnussen is within his rights actually to go to Haas. Uh, The other rumour was he was going to IndyCar, which I think is highly less likely as some of the chips have fallen now in IndyCar, Sarah.
1: Let's switch over to that, yeah. So, Andretti is settled for the next year. And actually, the rumor was that Magnuson was maybe going to take the fourth Andretti seat because he can bring a little bit of funding. But what they ended up doing instead was, since AJ Foyt, like, listen, all of the IndyCar stuff, it's all, like, interlocking pieces that all kind of fell at the same time. So, AJ Foyt switched to Chevy, which AJ Foyt was previously a Honda team, and Takuma Sato was at Foyt with all of his Honda sponsorships. Um, Sato obviously is not going to stay at Foyt if they're Chevy, so he is going to Andretti. He is going to take Carlos Munoz's seat, um, so it'll be Munoz, Rossi, Andretti, and Ryan hunter Ray at Andretti, which is fine. But Munoz um, is going... Munoz, we don't know yet. He has not officially signed at Foyt, but it's looking like he's probably going to do that, which is, which is fine. Um, Juan Pablo Montoya was another big piece Of this whole thing um, He is actually not going to have a full time ride In IndyCar next year He's only going to drive the 500 um, And possibly one or two other one off races uh, He'll do Penske's sports car program um, Outside of IndyCar so that's fine uh, Mikhail Aloysian and James Hinchcliffe Were both obviously confirmed At Schmidt Peterson um, And then one more thing happened Today, today being Thursday uh, J.R. Hildebrand. Is back in IndyCar. Yes. America.
0: Uh, he's no. going to
1: drive. <laughs> well, it's great because he's taking Joseph's seat. So Team America remains Of course Team he's going
0: to Ed Carpenter
1: Racing. Duh. Well, actually, I mean, he was with Ed Carpenter last year just as like a test driver sort of role. He set up Joseph's car and was going to drive for Joseph when he was hurt. Joseph ended up not needing that, but he still used... Um that's actually part of why he wanted Iowa is because Hildebrand's setup on the car was so good. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what feedback and what skill he can bring to that team now that they don't have Joseph anymore. So um yeah that's pretty oh and I feel like there's one other thing. Chip Ganassi is going to Honda. Chip Ganassi is going to be a Honda team now, not Chevy, which is crazy. Uh <clears throat> and yeah, uh there's two Foyt seats left. Max uh, Max Chilton is not confirmed at Chip Ganassi yet, but we're pretty sure he's staying there. Uh, the other Dale Coyne seat is open. Whatever the hell happens to KVSH is still open. Um, there's still a long way to go, despite a lot of stuff already having happened, which is pretty exciting.
0: So yeah, it's all good. Well... That is what has happened with IndyCar. We've talked about F1. We've talked no, we about, talk about Mexico and Austin and all those things. You know what we need to talk about? Dancing we... with the Stars. <laughs> okay, that's not where I was going, but let's talk about Dancing with the Stars. Dude, Hinch is amazing. He's so Hinge good. is so good. And what I'm devastated hell? about the loss of Shana. Ah, uh, me
1: too. I'm devastated. Uh, I she think was she's my coming... people. I think she's coming back next week, though. It sounds, like, like, ill-advised. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, she's an athlete. She's going to play through the pain. And, like, they, I think part of the drama of this show is a little bit manufactured where they're like, you might not be back. And then suddenly she's back next week.
0: Yeah, and I love the moment where, like, right, the video that they had of it where she's like, "Uh, I'm really sorry. And he's like, you're sorry? Like, why are you sorry? He's like, I know a little bit about, you know, Taking your taking time to recover. Like, He's like, I got stabbed by a car. <laughs> I got shish kebabbed.
1: Yep. But he oh was my brilliant. god, I actually... his
0: his Joker. Oh, that Joker costume oh. was. It was creepy something. and wonderful.
1: It was very creepy. I was gonna say he he has a very good sense of humor about the whole being shish kebab thing. I just refound a meme he posted, uh, where it's I think it's Olaf from Frozen when he has the icicle right through him. And <laughs> Hinch is just like, I feel you, buddy. <laughs> like,
0: and that's like, the thing, I, I was actually talking to someone, I was talking to a guy on the weekend who's actually a member of the Canadian uh, Paralympic sled hockey team. And he is a amputee. He's missing uh, one of his legs from, uh, I believe, just below the knee. And we were talking about something, and he pointed out to me that I was quite short, sure. And I was like, yes, I've accepted this fact. No matter how much I worry about it, I'm never going to grow. And he looked at me and goes, it's exactly the same thing. No matter how much I worry about it, my leg's never going to come back. And I think that's the hinge approach. He's like, well, I'm fine. I got stabbed. We may as well laugh about it. <laughs> exactly. He's like, it's happened. Let's just go with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But...
1: but yeah, Dancing with the Stars has been really fun to watch. I didn't ever think I'd say and that. And it's ever so much better
0: without Ryan Lockdick. Oh, thank God. Seriously. But, Sarah... We have one last thing to talk about on this podcast, and it's not actually us talking. We had the wonderful chance uh, earlier in the in the last couple of days uh, to interview an amazing, badass lady of motorsport, our interviewed hill climber, Charlie Martin.
1: Yeah, surprise, we've got an interview for you to listen to. Um, Let's get right to it. So we're here today, the grid girls are... Uh happy to talk with race car driver charlie martin um who drives in uh france the the hill climb i believe it's just called the hill climb championship right or can you correct me
2: if i'm wrong there uh it is yeah it's it's actually called the Championnat de france de la montagne but most <laughs> people say the french hill climb championship gosh so. that sounds so
0: much better in french it does <laughs> I was like that is the most like the most glamorous sounding car race I've ever heard. (laughs) So I
1: guess to start to start right off, um, how did you like how did you get into hill climbing in particular?
2: well i guess the short version is that when i was at primary school my uh, one of my best friends his dad raced so he did some circuit racing and some hill climbing and we used to go away with him at the weekends and hang out and you know we'd be like camping and just really enjoyed it i think one of the nice things about hill climbing is that you're unlike a circuit you're right in the middle of the paddock and you're right around all the cars so you're really in amongst all the action and I just really love that whole kind of um you know just being completely immersed in in the experience and uh and being so close to all the cars and they, they were vintage cars so we'd always be like pushing push starting them and that kind of thing and yeah, it was just, just something that really got into my blood, I guess.
0: So uh, for someone who may not have a great understanding of, of hill climbing, Sarah and I have kind of we've, – we've trawled through your website and looked at all the different videos and things like that. If you were talking to someone who had never seen a hill climb or something like that, what what kind of is it and what makes it like – what? about hill climbing makes you so excited about it? Or what, what do you really love about, I guess, the the racing part of it?
2: Okay, I mean, if I was describing it to someone who'd ne- never seen hill climbing, I'd say if you imagine the Isle of Man TT um, against the clock in cars, that is basically the essence of hill climbing. So a closed public road, and it's one car at a time against the clock, and you're just absolutely going for it it's uh i suppose you could compare it to rallying but you've got no co-driver so you have to know the whole course absolutely like the back of your hand and for me it's um and I guess for, for for a lot of hill climbers, it's uh, one of the main attractions is that you're not racing neck and neck with someone on the track at the same time. So it's really it's really about pushing yourself as an individual and just getting in the car. You again, unlike circuit racing, where you do lap after lap and you get a diff, you know, you get to come around and do the same corner again and again. Hill climbing you don't have that luxury. You've got to get in the car and from the moment you turn a wheel, you've got to be absolutely on it. So you've just got to be able to turn yourself on to like maximum attack mode for two or three minutes and just really drive the wheels off the car. So it's just I don't know, it's very addictive. Yeah, I, I,
0: I like that idea when you, when you said there that, you know, you have to be on at all times. You don't get really like a second chance like you do. Like if you, you miss a corner in F1 or you don't take like the optimal corner, the next lap you have that chance to get it right. But this, it's, you know, you're, you're very one or done kind of.
2: Yeah, that's really it. And it can be really frustrating because, you know, in a weekend, uh, we might have, depending on the length of course, we might have between six and nine um, runs up the course. And it's not, you know, it's not a lot of seat time. And when you mess the run up, that time's gone, you can't come around the next lap and make it up. So it can be really, really frustrating. And ultimately, you've got no one to blame other than yourself. You can't say, well, you know, this guy cut me up or, um, you know, it, it, it's very much you, it's down to you. Um, but that's also, it's like a double-edged sword. I think that's also like a massive win. You know, when you've driven really well, you know that it's it's all come from you and, you know, from your team as well. If, you, if you're running with a team, it's obviously a big effort. But,
0: so is um, the time taken cumulatively or is it on a single run that you designate or is it your best run out of five to six to nine as
2: you said uh well it depends in the French Hill Climb Championship and in most of the ones I've raced in it's just your best singular time so we'll get three runs and it's whichever of those is your quickest in the European Championship it's the culmination of your two best times and generally in Europe you only get two runs. So I've driven I've driven in Europe a few times this year and it's interesting because where is say in France you can you can take a few more risks. You know if you scrap a run you've still got two more in europe you've got to you know if you scrap one run that's it you you can pretty much write off your time so you've got to focus on consistency a bit more than kind of outright bansai speed so it's it's interesting having tried those two different uh, you know two different styles
1: yeah that sounds really cool how how exactly do you go about learning a new circuit or a new course that you've um, that you've never
2: driven at Okay, so for me, I will get like a Google map or if I can download a map from somewhere of the actual like trace of the course. And mm-hmm. then I'll pick a video on YouTube. Um, for me, like someone in a single seater. So I'll get, you know, someone in the same kind of car. And I'll use that to learn the sequence of the corners. So I'll probably start like two weeks before I actually drive the hill. So when I get there, I've got it in my head already. Obviously, when you get there, you find that in fact, you know, with the, with the gradient and everything else in real life, it always looks different. But at least, you know, it's left, it's right, right, left, you know, that kind of thing. And then really, it's the case of um, normally get there on a Thursday. So I've got like a couple of days to just drive up it. And in the last two years, I've been using a scooter, which I've got in the back of my van, which is like a really, it's pretty crap. It's 50cc and, um, you know, it's better than nothing. But... It's, Recently, I've been able to borrow cars of people and just drive it in a road car. So that's awesome. It's really cool
1: that they just use like actual functional roads instead of just like a purpose-built
2: track. It, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, one thing is when you're coming down the hill sometimes, and you're driving in normal traffic, and you're effectively in like a full out race car and you're just driving on a public road and you're like overtaking someone in a Clio. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> I imagine being the person in the Clio, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. Wh- I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I like, couldn't like, expect really- to see someone in that full race kit coming down thing. Now, you said that, you know, your runs are kind of two to two to three minutes. Um, how like is there like are some shorter circuits or shorter roads and longer ones or are they kind of have an average distance and what kind of speeds do you you get up to doing one of these kind of circuits
2: yeah I mean they do vary I think the shortest ones probably about in Europe I mean in England hill climbs are very short they're like a kilometer and they're on private roads but I like competing in Europe because it's much longer so it's anything from generally two and a half to six kilometers although in Italy they have some really long ones that are like 12 kilometers or more. Sarah do um, I need to
0: convert that to miles for you? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> this is our ongoing debate is I don't speak miles I'm, I'm Australian I'm strictly metric over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Sarah will talk about something being 500 miles, and I'll be like... Oh, something. Something.
2: okay. <laughs> I must admit, I've got you more used to just, you know, working things out in kilometres after a few years of being there. But, yeah, generally for me, it's like three, you know, three to six kilometres. And speed-wise, I don't know. I mean obviously I've no idea what kind of speed I'm doing when I'm in the car, but I mean, my car is geared to about uh, 200 and what was it? about 230 kilometers. So it's about, I think the most I've been getting up to is about 130 miles an hour, 140 miles an hour, which, you know, on a country roads.
0: It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a terrifying like the idea of going that I got I got the joy of going around a s old F one circuit here a while back in a very souped up Porsche and Sarah has done um uh the
1: IndyCar 2C ride, yeah. So, and that only gets up to about one thirty on the street circuits, and I was sitting there like, I'm going to die.
0: <laughs> and that's on a beautifully, like that's on a really properly done street circuit kind of, mm-hmm. and even mine was a closed, closed mm-hmm. course. So I can't imagine going up.
2: <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> the
0: idea of that makes me feel <laughs> 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 oh
2: it's a massive buzz you know when you get out the car especially some of the really quick courses where you're just flat and sick quite a long time i mean there's one in switzerland center saint ronzier which is my favorite it's got the fastest it's the fastest hill climb in europe and pretty much the whole thing is flat in fifth and sixth gear and when you get out the car there your hand you know your hands are shaking (laughs) and I generally generally say to myself if I get out the car my hands aren't shaking a bit I've not been trying hard enough it's it's a good sign that yeah everything's working properly it also
0: it it sounds both horrifying and absolutely awesome at the same
2: time seriously (laughs) it is why you'd
0: be addictive why it would be an addictive kind of thing
2: yeah, I think so. I think, and when, you know, when you know, when you get to know the car and you know the course, you know, with the bumps, the braking zones, and you can really start pushing. It's, yeah, it, it, There's some a lot of people look at hill climbing and they're like, yeah, but, you know, don't you want to do circuit racing? You only drive for three minutes. But it's such a crazy three minutes that I think if you actually get into it, you, you can quickly see the appeal of it.
1: So you had actually mentioned before we started this broadcast that, um, you had started to sort out what you were doing next year. Can you tell us a little bit about that or?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've not really, um, it's not entirely official quite yet. So, um, I, but I've, I've sold my car, um, uh, last weekend I, I'd left it in the van in Switzerland. So I drove, uh, I think I drove something like 1500 kilometers last weekend, um, <laughs> delivered it to the new owner so that's kind of uh, I was quite was quite emotional actually sort of handing the car over because it's been a crazy couple of years with that car and um so yeah I've pretty much sorted out a drive for next season and that's going to be in a prototype so um I can't really say too much about it at the moment but I'll be you know hopefully putting some stuff on my website and everything pretty soon but yeah I'm really excited about it I uh i had a few guys in a prototype this season and it's the kind of car that i've always really really wanted to drive on hill climbing it's um i mean these cars pretty much look like something out of le mans um putting a car like that on a on a hill climb circuit and driving up a mountain is it's about as yeah it's like the pinnacle of hill climbing really so yeah, I'm really, really excited, and uh, also looking to be driving with a team, which is going to be a massive benefit as well. Because the last two years I've been running the car entirely on my own, and it's good fun, but it's a lot of hard work. Yeah,
1: it's better to be with a team. Well, congratulations on that. That should be awesome. We'll definitely keep an eye out for you. Thank you. uh So, just to switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, we kind of got in touch with you via Susie Wolf's Dare to Be Different campaign. How did you get involved with that, and kind of what spurred you into, you know, taking a role within that organization?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a it's been fantastic to to watch it develop since it was launched in uh, in January, I think, at Autosport. Sport. Um, I, I mean, I. You know, as soon as I heard about what uh, what Ceezy Wolf is doing, I um, immediately went on the website and and I tried to keep track and attend as many of the events that they've done. Uh, there's an event this weekend coming up actually at Brooklyn's uh, at Mercedes World, which I'm looking forward to going to. So uh, I think it's really, really a really a great idea to, to facilitate a lot of the networking from, you know, from my point of view, that's one of the things I've really benefited from is, is you know, meeting, meeting other like-minded women and, um, you know, sharing ideas, experiences and, and really just uh, just forming a community there where, where we can all, all kind of get together. It's, it's great.
0: Networking yeah. is such... I, I, work, I work in women's sport and networking is such a great... I think aspect of, of being a woman in sport Um, and particularly when there's not all, there's not necessarily a lot of us, the kind of communities that have started to form and the ways that we've kind of formed them have been such a great asset. And I can imagine Mm. to dare to be different is definitely part
2: of that as well. Yeah, certainly. And I, I think for me, it's the first time I've actually been actively involved in a you know a network like that that's um set up purely to uh, to encourage and help women in motorsport so it's been a really really exciting and encouraging thing to to do so yeah really behind it's,
1: it it's definitely a lot of fun to go on that facebook group and see all the uh, like the parents of the little girls in karting and like hear all their stories and everything so yeah, yeah
2: definitely it's pretty cute um, yeah, people from from all levels and you know people who are just starting out or people who actually got you know established careers in, in f one and you know from from all levels it's very uh it's just everybody's very approachable and it's it's nice
1: have you uh have you run up against any you know difficulties in, in the hill climbing community kind of you know being a woman working around you know obviously a very male dominated field um you always hear. You know, kind of some stories that that aren't oh so great.
2: Um, I mean, I think I've been, you know, I think generally I've been I've been pretty um, I've had a pretty pretty smooth ride in terms of people just accepting me in in motorsport at face value. And I, you know, I'm very passionate and determined in in everything I do. And uh, especially the first times I turned up in France, um, nobody knew me. I was just it's, sort of unknown slightly crazy English girl with <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, over there it's, yeah, being able to speak French has really opened a lot of doors for me in terms of um, connecting people so I'd say I've been, things have been pretty great um, but then, yeah, I mean, I've had a few things where um, you know, I did a talk recently and um uh, you know you, you always get the odd comment from somebody who kind of um, a guy who kind of chipped in and was like uh, I was talking all about my season and I think his first comment was um, at the Q&A um, was like oh yeah so have you got a rich dad who pays for everything and you know things like that, which are a little bit below the belt. But, but, you're not helping here, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you just think, you know, would you have said that to a guy? And no, probably not. You know, it's no, like not at all. No, so, but I mean, having said that, I've got pretty thick skin, and I can, uh, you know, I can I can give as good as I get. Really. I
0: think I think it's kind of like in so many of these things, you know, you get. 75 80 90 95 percent of them nowadays who are you know who are the educated people that understand all all of this stuff and then you just get that one one guy that comes on and you're like okay look the last 50 <laughs> years must have passed you by we're just going to move on from you okay
2: yeah I think I think I mean you know in this instance I just I think I just downplayed it and put of took the next question I thought you know I'm not going to they're going know. to
0: find someone with a response to that
2: yeah <laughs> yeah don't rise to the challenge
1: no no um so I guess on the flip side of that question um what advice would you give to younger girls trying to get into your division of motorsport these days
2: I think I'd just say that um, <clears throat> you know the most obvious thing is just to if you if if you want to do it and you're you're passionate about it then to just just Get out there, talk to people, meet people, and uh, that's the best way to start. I think you know, often just it's 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 making those first few steps. It can be quite. Quite daunting getting into anything, and I think motorsport, as much as any uh, any kind of uh, career, or if you're just saying it's more of a hobby, it, you know, it can be a pretty daunting thing when you're uh, when you're at the sidelines and you don't know anyone. But I think I'd just say, yeah, go talk to people, tell them what you're interested in, tell them what you want to do, and I've always found that actually, when people can see you're enthusiastic, they're normally pretty help- helpful, they're normally pretty happy to encourage you and give you advice and that's really the first step to, you know, to getting started. So that, that would be my advice.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. So I guess to close out, um, are there any like crazy hill climbing stories you can tell us to like
2: finish up this series um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, uh, quite a lot, really. I think one of my favorite things that happened this season was um, there was a diesel strike in France. Uh, it's one of the joys of competing in France is that I quite <laughs> And I turned up at this event and uh, basically I had virtually no diesel and someone said, um, look, if you don't go and get diesel now, you you know you're not going to get anywhere. And I was there for a week on holiday. So I I just parked my van. I went to drive off and I ripped the roof hatch off on a tree. And, And so I got out to take a look at it and I got back in the van. I was driving out of the paddock and, I didn't know that one of my friends had actually jumped onto the roof of the van with some duct tape to try and tape it down. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so I'm driving out of the, this is like in a big box van. So I'm driving out of the paddock and everybody's like sort of waving at me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. It's, I'm just going <laughs> <I was like, laughs> to get diesel. I like, I the roof of the van. Oh, no. so, uh, oh, yeah, gosh. that, that would have been great. I <laughs> went to for about an hour. It's funny. It's <laughs> funny
0: because everyone's okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. You didn't go oh. like roosting in my van. So. <laughs> oh,
0: man.
1: Well, thank you so much. That's funny. a great story. That's a great story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
1: um but yeah thank you so much for coming on today um can you tell all our listeners where they can
2: find you online and all of your your details and whatnot yeah for sure please go to gocharlyhillclimb.com. if you just google go charlie you'll find me straight away mm-hmm. and uh yeah you can find videos and everything on there and if you're quick and get on motors tv you'll catch the last half of my program that's been following my season two this year and uh yeah thanks for having me on the show it's been really great to talk to you both Yeah, thanks for
1: coming on. We'll we'll definitely look forward to seeing what you're up to next year. Cool. Thanks very much.
0: Thank Thank you. you. So that was Sarah Connors. That was myself. And that was the amazing Charlie Martin. Uh, This was another edition of The Grid Girls. And we thank you very much for joining us. As always, you can find us on thegridgirls.com. You can find me at Sasky Stewart online and Sarah underscore Connors. You can find us at The Grid Girls. We will be back shortly after Cash and all of that crazy dust settles. Uh, Until then, we'll see you at the next race.